with us this morning. Just want to let you know that uh, we're really glad to have you, and just uh, feel free to. Reach out to any of us pastors. Uh, our, uh, all of our phone numbers are on the back of this bulletin. And if there's something that you need, and no matter how big or small, we can't, uh, can't promise to fix your problems, but we can sure walk with you or be, uh, be available to just in any way that we can. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're really glad you're here and, and welcome. Uh, outside these doors is these big uh, laundry tubs full of uh, baby bottles. And that's for the, the, the crisis pregnancy center here called True Care. And we'd just like you to take one of those bottles home and put it on your counter and fill it up with uh, cash checks and money orders and stuff like that to help support that need. But uh, we'd also really like you to pray for them. I'm on the board of directors over there, and I, I know some of the, just the, the, the huge struggles that they face every day. And they face all their struggles with prayer, which is pretty awesome. And uh, they would love to have you join in with them in praying. So put those on your counters and, and uh, just pray over those things and then bring them back on President's Day. And uh, we'll, it's, it's always been a really great fundraiser and an awareness raiser for that uh, pregnancy center. So please do that. Um, after service today, you can stay for our business meeting. Um, sounds super boring, but uh, we, it, we're voting on our budget and uh, just a good time for you to kind of connect and see what God's doing in our church and some of these other ways. They don't typically take very long and we'd just like you to stay and be a part of that if you can. Um, we want, want to take a love offering for some of our missionaries that we support. Uh, it's uh, Toby and Cherry Curtis. Uh, they, they started out coming to this church and ended up being missionaries in Zambia and uh, God called them out of that and moved them to Alaska kind of some different hemisphere moves they've been in. But they're up in Alaska ministering to the indigenous peoples up there. And they've kind of come across some situations where they're involved in some pretty intensive counseling. And there's just some just major, major issues that they're dealing with amongst these people. And they've just kind of realized, and God's led them to uh, the need to just get some more education, get some biblical counseling education. And they just need some funds to help out with that that's uh, kind of outside their budget. And um, it would just be great if we could just take a love offering for them and just help them, help them get this tool that they need to better do ministry. So if, uh, if you'd like to do that, just write on the envelope, the giving envelope uh, for Toby and Cherry Curtis for your love offering. I don't think you can do that online, so um, you'll have to do that manually there. And then on uh, Sunday, next Sunday, February 6th, we're going to have a Valentine's banquet. So from 5 to 6 p.m., um, we'll just come here and uh, bring finger food. And there's going to be a guy speaking from Cheyenne. His name's Charlie Reed. He's going to be talking to us about unlocking your heart in marriage. Um, the youth group will be providing child care. Um, so you can just bring your kids and leave them with us. I mean, you know, if you, if you trust us. I mean, I'll, I'll be there and Ashton will be there. So yeah, we're fairly trustworthy. So bring your kids and uh, just have a nice time and some finger food and should be a good time. And then lastly, uh, men's prayer breakfast is next Saturday at 7.30. It's up at the chapel, and it's just something that if you're a man, you should come to that. It's a great thing just to come and eat breakfast and pray. That's one of the main things that we do up there is just have a time of prayer, and it's just been a really rewarding time, so I hope you'll come to that. Um, let's stand up and worship the Lord. God, thank you that you brought us here. Lord, thank you that you have decided that this is going to be your church, Lord. And all of these people here today have come, Lord, and you brought them here, God. You brought them here to hear from you. You brought them here to worship you. You brought them here to repent, Lord, and, and to, to hear your word and hear what you're saying to them, Lord, so that we can go out into this world and do it this week, God. So I pray that we would prepare our hearts right now to worship you, hear your voice. Amen.
Let's begin this morning by reading the words of Jesus Christ, our Savior, together. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Let's think about this joy this morning. this morning.
Good morning. I don't know if you've noticed, but here at College Heights, we do have a heart for missions because we love Jesus and want to share with other people and want them to be saved also. So today we want to pray for our missionaries up in Alaska, the ones that Pastor Aaron mentioned that we're going to have a love offering for. Uh, Let's pray for them as well. Um, I also should announce we're having a, a missions trip to Mexico the last, um, say, the last 10 days of July this summer. So you can talk to me anytime about that or Pastor Mike. But uh, we need to get, get going on that, and we'll meet, and we'll pray about it, and we'll organize and go out. Also, yesterday we had our upward first upward basketball games um, in this gym, that gym, and over at Boyd Avenue Baptist in their gym. And I thought things went really well. You know, we have, I think, 34 teams. So all these teams got to play, and uh, my teams won. <laughs> I've got two teams, and it was fun. But anyway... I'm sure we'll lose a few. Anyway, God is good. So let's pray for the Upward Ministry as well, because that's a really big event that we do every year and for the purpose of reaching a community. We're trying to reach people with the gospel. And if you were here yesterday, there were a lot of people that needed Christ. I know a lot of the parents that I work with that some of them just don't have a clue about what the gospel is, and uh, it's fun to just spend some time and visit and share and love these people for Christ and see what he does in their life. So let's be praying about that as well. Let's pray together. Father God, I just lift up uh, Terry and Toby Curtis, or yeah, Terry and Toby, as they're serving you in Alaska. Father, as they're in Palmer this morning and going to be... in your word as well, and probably sharing with people. I know throughout the week they're involved in discipleship ministries and um, helping the native uh, Alaskan people that come in from different points of Alaska. So, God, I just pray that you would use them in a powerful way and help our church to be a part of giving to uh, help train them better for counseling. So, Lord, just help us to be a part of that. Thank you for 
those who are giving already. Father, you're, you're so good to us. You've given us this uh, upward program for many years, and this year is just another special year with so many kids and parents coming and, and testimonies shared and uh, devotionals shared each week. Father, what an opportunity we have to be a part of that and to share what you're doing here in our city. Pray that you'd reach many for Christ through that. Father, I do pray also for that uh, missions trip that's coming up to Mexico. Pray that you would uh, send the right people to go on that, uh, that can serve you in the ministry and see the work there in uh, Guadalajara area of Mexico. Father, you're so good to us. We love you and thank you for today. Pray that your word would go forth with power. We love you and thank you for Pastor Mike and his family. Just to continue to bless the ministry here at College Heights, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you would and let's sing again this morning. I love the promises of scripture where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them.
and this you is Jesus Christ our Savior and he says God says I will hold you Jesus by the hand and watch over you and I will appoint you as a covenant to the peoples as a light to the nations to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison so we do this praise the Lord Mercy is more stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What love could remember? No wrongs we have. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is See 
may be seated. Okay, time for our kids to go to Super Church. Third grade and under, if they'd like to, you can go through those doors and go on to the other gym. <clears throat> and good morning. Should have said that first. Man, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 1 this morning. We've been just basically going through a study on the Holy Spirit. The last four weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's always an interesting thing to, to kind of hear people talk about their views of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's just interesting that when you kind of boil it all down, people think that God gave the Holy Spirit to us so that we could tell God what to do. And so he would just be there for whatever we wanted him for. And that's to some degree, uh, I don't think we tell God what to do, but to some degrees, he sent him for us, sent him to work in our lives, to draw us to salvation. He sends, us to, sends him to work in our lives to bring comfort and to bring direction and to bring strength and peace and, and just deliverance, forgiveness, all those kind of things are really personal. And it's thrilled that the Holy Spirit dwells in those of us who have trusted Christ. But... It's kind of crazy, too, because, you know, the Bible doesn't teach that God is here to do what we want him to do. The Bible teaches that we were created by God, for God, for his glory. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's inevitable that we have to deal with what God would give him for so that we could serve God. Matter of fact, there's this kind of interesting little verse that points out who we are in Christ. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I'll just read it to you. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Isn't that an interesting phrase? You are not your own. If you have been saved, not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. <clears throat> now, that's a big deal because that's a tougher deal than we want to make it, right? We, we really do like to boil our life down to the things that we want and how we want to do them and when we want to do them. And basically, we typically decide what we want, and then we ask God to come do what we want him to do while we do what we want to do. And it's not the way that works because when we confess Christ, I mean, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, it's a very personal thing. But we're actually saying to him that you're Lord of our life at this point in time. That Lord means owner and ruler and boss. And, and I know because I've been in Wyoming for almost 20 years that Wyomingites love to have bosses. And they love to take orders. Right? Raise your hand if you love to take an order. Tim. I saw you raise your hand. I know your parents are sitting right down the row, and I know they don't believe that. <laughs> anyway, the truth be, be known is that, you know, we confess Christ as Lord because we want him to lead us, because we need him to lead us. We want him to save us because we need him to save us. And we confess him as Lord because we say, we see what you've done for us. You've died on the cross for us. I mean, you gave 
love to us like no one has ever loved us. You've sacrificed for us when we didn't deserve it. So yes, Lord, we want you, we love you, we need you, we want to follow you, but that's a struggle, right? I mean, it just is. And yet I am convinced that part of the reason why so many Christians in America, because that's where I live and know, so many Christians are broken, discouraged, depressed, angry, hopeless, all words that should never describe a Christian. I mean, really, I know we have our moments, but that's not where we live as followers of Christ. But the reason we live there is because we have tried to manipulate God as opposed to come under God, right? So we're gonna talk this morning about our purpose, his power. And we're gonna look at at Acts chapter one and then we'll look at some out of Acts chapter two. But uh, let's start with Acts chapter one, verses one through through eight. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After he had by the Holy Spirit presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's good to be here today. I'm thankful for these men and women and the boys and girls that are here today. I'm thankful that we can come together and sing your praises because you're worthy of our worship. I'm thankful we can come together and open your word because we need to hear from you, Lord God. And I pray that you would speak through me. And I ask, Lord God, that you would deal with each one of us where we are. Every person has a different need today. You're the only one that could speak to each one of us individually, and I pray that you will. But I also pray for us as a church, Lord, that you'd speak to us together, that we would walk by faith, and we'd be faithful to your purpose, and we would trust in your power, and that you'd be glorified in us. And Lord, I love you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Before we get too far, I want to read our verses for the, the theme verses for the year, because It's so important to realize what God wants to do in us. But let's read these again together. My speech and my message were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with power. I'm telling you, wouldn't it be fantastic if our that Jesus told the disciples that he's going to send the you know, this is the author of Acts is Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. And he's writing to this guy, Theophilus. 
about Jesus, and he says, I told you all that he began to do and all that he began to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after that, and after he had by the Holy Spirit, don't you love this, by the way, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. I, I love that word, given orders, because <clears throat> how many of you read your Bibles without really paying attention to what you read? Any of you do that? Oh, I forgot, we, we're College Heights, man. We got it going. We got it going. We read our Bibles and we just kind of mindlessly read and we don't really pay attention to the fact that Jesus gave orders to his disciples. He didn't give orders hoping they would do it. He gave orders expecting that they would do it. And not because he's a tyrant, but because he knew they loved him. So when the Savior who gave his life for us gives us orders, his expectation is that we will love him and then obey him. That's what the Bible teaches. So he gave them orders, right? And he says, after he's given them orders, so he has a purpose and a plan for their, their life after he's, res, or he's ascended into heaven. He says he presented himself alive after his sufferings with many convincing proofs, appearing to them over 40 days and speaking of the things of the kingdom of heaven. So it's, it's been 40 days. He's been talking with them. They've got to be blown away. He's not with them every day. We kind of read that as we read the, the gospels. But the truth is, is he's preparing to ascend back into heaven and he's preparing them to carry on the work that he started. That's what the church is for. That's what the book of Acts is about. How God equips his church to carry on Christ's ministry while Christ is in heaven. That's what the book of Acts is about. It's just that simple. And so he's preparing them and he's getting ready to leave. And then it says, gathering them together, he commanded them. Again, don't you love that word? He gave orders and he commanded. Now, now please hear this because it's so critical to not just how we are gonna serve the Lord, but how we are gonna find life in Christ, right? There is no life apart from walking intimately with Christ Jesus. And the only, only way to walk intimately with Christ Jesus is to obey him. That's the only way. We'll talk more about that as we get further. But so many of us, man, we, we recoil already. Anybody recoiling? Like you just got it in your mind. You're sitting there with a smile on your face so I don't see you. And you're going, say whatever you want to, man, but I'm not obeying well, that's okay with me because you're not dealing with me. You're dealing with the Lord and it's okay with him, kind of. You can go off and live any way you want to, but he will then bring consequences the way he wants to. One of the grave consequences of not obeying Christ is that he's here and you're there. And the only way to get to where he is is to obey him. That's it. And so if you're lacking intimacy with God, one of the questions you should ask is, are you obeying him? So he's given, them, he's gathered them together and he's commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised, which he said, you've heard from me. And I, I love this because now he says, here's the deal. I've resurrected from the grave. You know, I've resurrected from the grave. I'm about to ascend back into heaven right in front of your eyes. Verse nine says he ascended right in front of their eyes in bodily form, Christ rose back into the heavens, which would have been amazing, right? But he says, 
I've given you this command, go back to Jerusalem and don't do any ministry until you receive the Holy Spirit that God has promised, that you've heard of from me. Now I find that to be interesting because these guys had some things to say. I mean, think about it. If you had been with Jesus, walked with him for three, three and a half years, watched them arrest him, some of you had been at the cross while he was crucified. You'd had to deal with the, not just the grief of Jesus dying when you loved him, but the fear of them coming to kill you as well. And then you had seen him walk into your closed door and say, peace be with you. You would have a message to say. You would say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He rose from the dead. I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen him. So it wasn't like these guys didn't have something to share. But Jesus says to them, I don't want you to do that. You're not equipped to do that. Go wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything but wait for the Holy Spirit. Now that's a pretty big deal because literally what God is saying is that whatever we do in our own human strength, with our own human wisdom, with whatever we have and the way we understand things, it's, it's not effective. There's just no power to it. There's nothing that would use our flesh and our wisdom and our ability to change anybody's life. Isaiah put the scriptures up here earlier, John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing, zero. And, and the joy of this is, is that God wants to give us what we need to do what he expects us to do. Now that should be huge. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But the problem is, is that we really don't want to trust God. We really don't want to submit to God and surrender to God's will. We really find it easier to just kind of do things our own way, because if you're going to submit to the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to work every single day at having a relationship. And man, is that hard. It's hard for some shallow reasons. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. One of the great reasons that people don't read their Bible, spend time in prayer with God, have a relationship with God is time, just time. We just say we're too busy. And if you've ever talked to me about that, I'll just ask you these questions. Well, do you have time to go to work? Do you have time to eat? Do you have time for recreation? Do you have time for your hobbies? Do you have time for yourself, whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you have time. You have time. The problem is today in America is that we wanna kinda have our proverbial cake and eat it too. We want to have a great relationship with Jesus, but we don't want to spend any time. We want to have it easy. We don't want to make Jesus our Lord. We want Jesus to come clicking when we snap our fingers and do whatever we, he, we want him to do. But when he demands something from us, we're like, nah, nah, nah. I didn't sign up for commitment. Oh, yes, you did. You either signed up for commitment by believing in Jesus or you didn't believe in Jesus. That's a reality that most people don't want to talk about. Man, we want heaven, but we don't want Jesus. The problem is, is Jesus is heaven. And I'm not talking about the place. 
John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that you might know him, God the Father, and his son, Jesus Christ. That is eternal life. John 17, 3, look it up. That's eternal life. If you don't have Christ and you don't have a relationship with the Father through Christ, you don't have eternal life. And so to push Christ away, to push the work of the Spirit away, to live your life in your flesh, to live the life you want to, means you don't have God in your life. And that's a real problem. So Jesus says to these guys, you go back and you wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Even though you have a message, even though you could do something in the flesh, it's not going to be from God and it's not gonna work. Now, men... That alone, that just that message ought to wake us up as a church today because it's so hard sometimes to walk in the spirit because we're so rebellious. And I know, I know most of you, man, there's not many people. I know, I know several that I recognize this morning that I haven't met yet, but, but man, most of you guys, you're gals, nice you show up at church, you know, you help out around here, you do some ministries. You don't, you don't look at me and go, I'm just rebellious. But we are when we don't, we don't surrender to Jesus. We are when we don't care about surrendering to, to, to Jesus. If nothing else, we're just selfish. Right? Just Selfish. And quite honestly, sometimes when I begin to talk about surrendering to Christ, I mean, <laughs> I, I have people say to me, well, if I'm not concerned about what I want, then how's God going to ever give me what I want? <laughs> I know it's, it sounds petty when you say it out loud, but come on, some of you are thinking, well, what's, it, what's in it for me? Aren't you? I know, be careful. <laughs> I might see you. Well, I want you to read something with me in Romans chapter 8. It's a pretty sweet verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And if you're worried about making a commitment to Jesus and surrendering to his leadership and surrendering to his commands or the orders or whatever he gives us because you think if you surrender that far, then he's not gonna do anything else for you. It's ridiculous. He who didn't hold back his own son, the most precious gift he could give to us. He didn't hold him back from us. If he won't hold him back from us, he'll give us all these things that we need. We just go, any old excuse will work for not following Jesus. Just nail that down. Any excuse is great as long as we can use it for not following Jesus. It works for you, it works for me, it works for all of us, but it doesn't work for Christ. And man, it's, it really is, it is heartbreaking to realize that so many within the body of Christ actually say no to him more than they say yes to him. It's heartbreaking for him. It's heartbreaking for us. So he says, right, follow my orders. Don't work on your own. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Verse five, he says, for John baptized with water, but, for, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
And so he says, look, John baptized with water. John already talked about this. I'm going to baptize with water, but he who's coming will baptize with the Spirit. Well, John baptized to prepare hearts for repentance for Christ to come, but Christ has now come, and Christ is leaving. And so he's sending the Holy Spirit, and he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. All that means is he's going to fill them with the Holy Spirit. He's going to put the Holy Spirit in them to enable them and equip them and to give them wisdom and to give them peace and literally to control them. Again, I know we're using words that are just, they're just buzzwords like, man, orders and commandments and control. And yet it's so good. He says, God's coming. He's coming for you. Wait for him that he might be in you and that he might work through you. There's something incredibly powerful about God being in us and incredibly powerful about God working through us. And yet sometimes we just, we just make ourselves too great in our own eyes and think that, you know what? It's better to have me than God. But in those moments where everything crashes and you don't know what to do, your heart is aching in those moments when you know you should be serving God, but you're not serving God because you're afraid, because you don't think you could do it on your own. In those moments where you've made yourself great, except the, your greatness isn't good enough for those moments, what do you do then? And the, the answer is you don't do anything. You just slowly die inside. Right, because he's not with you, because you, you've rejected him. So Jesus says, wait, you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And, and it just makes me laugh. He said, and then when, in the response, they say to him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And it, it makes me funny. It's like spiritual ADHD. It's like we're talking about God coming and living in us and working through us and building his kingdom on earth. You're going to have abilities that you've never had before. Oh, squirrel. Are you going to, is Israel going to be the kingdom again? Are we going to reign and rule over all the kingdoms of the earth like we used to do when David was king and when Solomon was king? And Jesus is like, you know, it's not even, it's not even for you to know these times or these epochs. That's for the Father to know. I, I love that response because you know how many people today are far more concerned about what's happening politically, what's happening economically, what's happening across the nations and in the world and when's the end times coming. And I, people always want to talk to me about the end times. They do. It's one of the favorite things to talk about and I don't mind talking about it. But I'm like, you know what? What does us talking about it have to do with what God wants to do in us. Because what they really want to do is somehow control life all around the globe by knowing more about the end times. It's just kind of funny to me. Jesus said, man, you're not even supposed to know that stuff. Why are you worried about that stuff? And I think, by the way, we should pay attention. We should know what the word says. We should be ready. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. Pay attention, be ready for Christ's return. But Jesus says... And hear this clearly now, right? You're not supposed to know those things. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria 
and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's a powerful verse. I mean, it's a powerful verse because if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then what he's telling you is that your purpose, your primary purpose as a follower of Jesus is to be a witness for Jesus. That's your primary purpose. I mean, the title of my message this morning is Our Purpose, His Power. But, you know, here's the problem is that most of us don't want to hear this. I've pastored a long time. I mean, I'm not as long in the tooth as Max is. I'm not as long in the tooth as Rick is spiritually. Getting close. And these guys, they're so much older than me and whoo. <laughs> Sorry, man. But if you combined our total years, we've probably got close to 100 years of ministry between the three of us. And I promise you, we would all tell you this, that when you start to talk to people about God's purpose for being witnesses in their life, people start shutting down. You hear things like, well, you know, I just, I'm not gifted to do that. You know, I don't like to do that. I'm an introvert. (laughs) I love that one. I'm probably more introverted than you think, by the way. I know that doesn't set with some of you, but I promise you, being by myself is pretty handy. Kind of like it. Who cares if you're introverted? Who cares if you say you're not gifted for it? The problem with us when we talk about being a witness is we don't see what the scripture says. We forget the first part. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses. You see, our purpose is to witness. The power to witness is Christ's. The power to live is Christ. The power to succeed is Christ in our life. The power to have peace in our life is Christ. The power for salvation is Christ. It's it's all about him, but witnessing is about him. And the problem with us is that instead of listening to what God would have to say, We just shut down and go, no, we dig our heels in and go, no, I'm not doing it. And it's rebellion. Man, one of the most blessed things in the whole world is to love someone enough to talk to them about Jesus. People need Jesus. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I still get nervous witnessing I was just talking to somebody the other day, I think yesterday, about sharing my testimony. I was sharing it a couple times yesterday, and they go, do you get nervous? Well, of course I get nervous. Why would I not get nervous? I got nervous this morning. I got nervous before the 8 o'clock service. I got nervous before this one. But it's not nervous about whether I can speak or not. I can get up here and speak. I'm nervous about is doing it in my own power. I don't want to do it in my own power. You don't want me to. You don't want me to speak to you without Christ in me. You don't want me to speak to you without the Holy Spirit leading me. You don't need that. Who does? Man, if it was all about me, I'd be out. I would have been out years ago. Matter of fact, and, and this is something you can pray about. I, in these next two weeks, I'm, I'm going to get the opportunity to go talk to the police department, all of them, all the patrolmen, all the the. Uh, dispatchers, anybody that will actually come, they're going to give me access to talk to them because I've asked them, how can I help? Because they've had some some real trials and hurts and stuff lately. And man, I'm nervous about it. I'm, I'm nervous about it. 
you know, Carl's here, so I'll just tell him, I'll just tell him what, tell you what he told me. Kind of a tough crowd up there. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm like, oh yeah, you know. I mean, they're not quite as tough as College Heights maybe, but you know. Um, here's the thing. I am nervous about it. And quite honestly, if I didn't think the Lord would speak through me, I wouldn't go. Because some of that stuff's just too hard, right? But the truth of the matter is, is I don't really have a choice. God opened this door. I don't know how he opened the door. He just opened this door for me to share with some men and some women that I know need Jesus. They don't need me to come tell them I'm a great counselor because I'm not. They don't need me to go tell them there's some worldly answers that they need to have in their life. I'm going to stand before these men and women. I'm going to talk about Jesus. That's all I have to offer them. And if they want me to share more about Jesus, then tell me later, and I'll come talk with you. I'll do Bible studies with you. I'll pray with you. I'm not going to be anything less than that. That's all I'm going to be. That's all I know. And I'm praying that God will do something miraculous. I mean it. With all my heart, I'd love to see God lead some of these men and women to Christ. And not because they're policemen, but because they're lost. Right? Because we're called to do that. And it should be a blessing to do that. And we have the power to do that because God's given us his spirit. But we have got to stand up. And we've got to walk by faith. And we've got to live like Christ's word is real. And that what he commands us to do is a commandment. And that when we do it, he blesses us. We've got to have an ability to trust that's beyond ourself. And that doesn't just apply to witnessing. That applies to everything. That applies to loving others, forgiving others, being humble. That applies to faithfulness and perseverance. That applies to being kind. That applies to giving people second chances and third chances and 10 chances. That applies to just walking in integrity when no one is around us. Man, we need God's power. Because we've got a purpose. It's a big purpose. And I don't know if you've paid much attention yet, just to our city. Do you pay attention to our city? Our city has, I think it's the highest suicide rate in the nation. Our city. Did you know that? Little old Casper, Wyoming. There's so much suicide in our city. You know why you don't hear about it? It's because nobody talks about it. But it's everywhere. And it's crushing. It doesn't make any sense. But you know what? We live our lives day by day. We don't care about anybody else. We don't think about anybody else. We don't share Jesus with anybody else. If they die, they die, whatever. It's not whatever. If they die... Without Christ, they go to hell. A place that's described where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched, where there's weeping and agony in the flame. It's a horrible thought. And yet we kind of go, well, you know, obeying God is, it's optional. No, no. Not if Christ is your Lord. It's not optional. Well, let's look over at chapter two. Let's go chapter two and I'll be a little faster with this one, maybe. So this is chapter, chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had come, 
They were all together in one place and suddenly there came a, uh, from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it they each hear them in our, that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya, uh, around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. Man, I, I love this. Jesus says to them, you go wait. They waited 10 days. And then the Bible says that they were all together in one place and a noise that came from heaven like a violent rushing wind. It wasn't wind. It was a, a noise. It sounds like Wyoming. That's what it, it sounds like Wyoming. I mean, on those days when we got 60, 80, even 100 mile an hour gusts, yeah, the house is shaking and, and things are falling. And it's just, it is a violent rushing wind. And the truth of the matter is it wasn't wind, it was the Holy Spirit arriving. The sound of the power of the Holy Spirit, God, arriving. Can you imagine? I mean, I'd have been sitting there wondering like, hey, he told us to wait, but what's supposed to happen? You know, how are we gonna know? <laughs> well, you know when God shows up, right? You know. And not only did he arrive with this great sound that caused the people in town to start gathering around, but the Bible says there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. Now I love this because when the tongues came, the tongues of fire, they only rested on the believers because only the believers receive the Holy Spirit. That's it. Unbelievers don't get him. You have to come to know Christ to have the Holy Spirit. When you know Christ, he comes in you, right? But the tongues, I mean, must have, I don't know what they looked like. Must have been kind of cool, but they were fire. Fire represents God, right? His holy presence. And each one of them received an ability at that moment to speak in a language they could never speak before. Now that's pretty amazing to me because I've been in quite a few countries and I'm, I'm, terrible at languages. I'm just, I'm the worst. I travel with Max and Max is pretty good. He's pretty good at languages. For me, I'm just like, just get an interpreter. Just translate for me. I, I just, I can't pick it up. I can't hear it. You know, I can, I can remember like the second time I went to Bulgaria, I'm sitting with an interpreter, translator, and he's trying to teach me some phrases and he'd say it and I'd say it and he'd go, no. I said, man, come on, say it again. So he'd say the phrase again and I'd say it and he'd be like, no. This went on for about half an hour. I found like, forget it. Man, give me a break. I'm an American. You know what? What do you want from me? I can remember being in Portugal with Rick's son-in-law. And he's a great guy. And so he, Miratezu is this town. It's not, that's not how you say it. Because he'd say, 
Miratasia. I don't know. I don't know how I say. Rolls his, rolls his tongue. He's got it in his throat. He says this crazy thing, and I try it, and he's like, "No." I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, "No." I was like, "So quit. I'm not trying anymore. Just translate for me, you know." And and to think, I mean, I've actually prayed this before. I've actually prayed like in Congo when I'm sitting there with these men and there's no interpreter around and I can't do anything. I mean, there's no talking. I don't speak Swahili. I don't speak French. I don't speak Luba. I don't speak any of the languages they speak. And so we, we're cordial. They love me. I've been there many times and so they know me. They know I'm an American. They know I can't speak their language. So they sit next to me and Max and they hold our hands because that's what guys do that are friends in Congo. So then my palm sweats and I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, Lord, I'd just rather speak. Help me speak their language for more reasons than they may let, let, let my hand go. But the point is, is that this was crazy. I mean, the Bible says not just did the tongues rest above them to show that each believer had been given the Holy Spirit, but it says they were filled with the Spirit and they began to speak, right? They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It is shocking. We got a guy in church, Jerry Hyatt, that's been trying to learn Spanish. He's got some program on his phone. He's learning Spanish, but it's not like, hey, I can speak Spanish today. He's been in a process, and it's kind of fun because when you visit with Jerry, then he tells you all the Spanish words that you're trying to say. Like, great, Jerry, I'm not going to learn Spanish. But anyway, he's trying to learn. He didn't do it quickly. Rick didn't learn Spanish quickly when he was going on the mission field to South America. But these guys could speak it. Why? Because the Spirit was giving them utterance. It wasn't them that was enabling themselves to speak, it was the Holy Spirit. Now that's huge. That's huge for you and me because, you know, I don't believe that God calls all of us to speak in tongues. The Bible's clear about that. But the Bible has given us all something to do according to the power of the Spirit in us. One of those things is witnessing. There's absolutely zero reason for you and I not to witness. Matter of fact, I had somebody tell me not too long ago that I had mentioned that every believer at College Heights ought to be given their testimony at Upward. And somebody was offended by that because they don't think that everybody should. Well, I'm not changing my mind. I think you should. I think you should give your testimony. If you get the opportunity, do it at Upward. If you get the opportunity to do it at work, if you need the opportunity, do it at home. I don't care what it is. You should be sharing your testimony because the Bible says so. Jesus said so. He didn't give us an opportunity not to. And so here we are, we have these truths in our life that God has pointed us to, but the reason we don't share our testimony is simply because we don't think we can. Well, you're right. You're right. Why would you want to if it's just you? But if the Holy Spirit's in you and he gives you utterance, isn't that a great word? He gives you the ability to speak then why wouldn't you take it? There's never been a time in my life when God called me to do something I didn't know how to do or I was nervous about doing and I stepped out by faith to do it when afterwards I didn't have joy and peace and here's what else happens every time. I worship him. Man, when I witness, and I, just wit- I was just had a few minutes to try to witness to a guy that was dying this week. 
It's hard, it's heartbreaking, but it's incredibly clear that the only one that's gonna save this man who's in and out of consciousness and in and out of the ability to see or understand, the only one that's gonna save him is Christ. It's not me. It's never gonna be me. And when I share, I pray that God will work and when God works, then who gets the credit? That's right, God gets the credit. But you know, so many of us, we've never stepped out by faith. We've never stepped out by faith. We just keep saying to ourselves, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You know, have you ever, ever had anybody tell you, man, I didn't really want to come talk to you because I knew what you'd say when I came to you? You ever had anybody say that to you? So I just quit talking to you? Well, that's what we do to God. We don't come talk to him about witnessing. We don't come talk to him about serving because we know when we do, he's going to say, you can do this, so step out by faith. Trust me. And so because we don't come to him, we harden our heart, and then we harden our heart again, and then we harden our heart again. We're still hoping, right, that God's gonna be there and that we're gonna be intimate with him and we're gonna experience him, we're gonna worship him, we're gonna know him, we're gonna see his power. But every time we harden our heart, we walk, we walk farther from him, and farther from him, and pretty soon we wonder why we're not hearing his voice. It's because we're over here now. He's still over here. Listen, he gave them the ability to speak in a different language. And look what happens because they were speaking this different language. These men from all these different countries, from all around Jerusalem, these were Jews that had grown up in these different countries and they'd come back to Jerusalem to serve the Lord. So they all grew up speaking a different language. And all of a sudden when they come back and they hear these guys, they're amazed and they're astonished saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Not only are they amazed that they were speaking their own language, they could hear a different language, but they were blown away by the fact that the guys that were speaking these languages were uneducated Galileans. They weren't the educated people. They were the ones that didn't have the ability to speak these languages. And these guys were blown away and amazed. They were even perplexed. How could this possibly be, they say, And then later on, it says down in in verse 12, it says, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? I love that. I love the fact that these guys came to a place where they didn't know God. They weren't worshiping God. They thought they did, but they were wrong because you come, the only way to worship God is through Christ. And now they're seeing these great things happen through these ordinary people And they're going, what does this mean? Oh, man, (laughs) that's like throwing the door open for all of these believers to go, well, let me tell you what it means. And Peter's about to. Like, we're going to look at it next week. Peter's about to tell them what it means. You and I, when God's working in us, people don't get it. They don't understand it. I mean, sometimes they make fun of us because they don't understand it because that's what happens. Some of them said, oh, they're just drunk. (laughs) Peter's like, no. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. But isn't it awesome that when we actually submit to God, he fills us with his spirit, he enables us to do things that we can't do on our own, that all of a sudden people are saying, well, it 
can't be that guy. And he can't be that gal. What does this mean? Wouldn't it be fantastic, again, if in Casper, people were seeing God work through us at such a level that they were saying, what's going on here? What's going on? Why? I've never seen that guy witness at work before, and now all of a sudden, he could lose his job for witnessing. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? What would happen if we actually lost our job for the sake of sharing Christ with somebody else? You think somebody would say, what's going on here? What does this mean? Do you think if we actually began to live as though God was real in us and that he could give us the power to do what we can't do on our own, that somebody would sit up and take notice? I mean, really, you know, as I talked with Carl about witnessing to the, to the policemen, you know, Carl says, I got, you know, I got it in my mind how these guys are going to react to you. And, and some are just going to be cynical, right? Some may mock me. Some may just com- completely ignore me. But I don't, I don't plan on that. I don't plan on that. Because why wouldn't I trust God to do whatever God wants to do? And if they do mock me, then I'm in a long line of people that have been mocked for the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Right? But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is not with witnessing. The problem is not just even about obedience. The problem for many of us is just our relationship with Jesus. And I don't mean to be hard. I don't mean that. I I really don't want to just be this guy that says, get it right. But it's true. I mean, I, I see people every week, broken people every week, marriages that are falling apart. I talk to people about serving the Lord and you can serve here, you can serve there, you can serve there. Well, you know, no, 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 no. I got to find whatever. I, I talk to all kinds of people and it's never about all those little issues. Broken marriages are about a broken relationship with God. End of story. Being disobedient in witnessing is about a broken relationship with God. End of story. Us being selfish and unloving and ungiving and unfaithful is about a broken relationship with God end of story. And I know we don't like to hear that. Matter of fact, I knew as I prepared this message that, you know, churches, they don't want me to talk about witnessing. I pastored this church almost 20 years now. And I know you don't want me to talk about it. I know. I hear it. I see it. I actually prayed. Lord, really, the next thing about the Holy Spirit is talking about when you come. And wouldn't it be nice if when he came, Jesus said, the purpose for him coming is to make all of us happy all the time. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd have been more ready to preach this thing, I tell you. But that's not what he says is our purpose. Our purpose is witnessing. It's his purpose in us, not ours. So therefore, it's, it's required of us. 
But it's not his purpose in us without him. It's his purpose in us with his power. And I'll be honest with you, I really did pray, Lord, is this really what you want me to to talk about? We talked about it kind of the last couple of weeks. Is this really what you want me to talk about? And it is. It is. Because we're not our own. If Christ is in us, we're not our own. If Christ is in us, there's a bigger purpose. His kingdom. Our lost family members. Our lost neighbors. Our lost co-workers. God's glory. It's a bigger purpose than ours. And stepping out by faith to obey even just this one thing, to witness, to be a witness wherever we go. We'll deepen our walk with Christ, fill us with joy. I even challenge you, I'll just challenge you. If you've never witnessed before, go witness to somebody this week. You'll be afraid, you'll be trembling, you'll stumble through it, but go do it. And then come back. And you come tell me next Sunday how you felt and how it went and who you worshiped when you were done. And we'll let you testify here too. Might as well, if you're gonna get in, get in, right? Let me challenge you to do that this week because it's such a gift to see God do in you what you can't do on your own. It's amazing. But here's the other thing. The thing you can't do on your own. Some of you, you're here and you don't know Christ. You don't know him. Maybe you said you've joined a church. Maybe you said you've been baptized, but you don't know him. You don't have any movement of the spirit in you. You don't have any desire to serve Jesus. You don't have any hope. You're living in sin, trying to justify it. Christ isn't in you. You need to be saved. You're wondering how in the world does that look? Is it possible for God to forgive me? Is it possible for God to wash me clean? Is it possible for God to accept me even after all that I've done? The answer is it's not just possible. It's sure. It's sure. It's sure. He will forgive you because Christ died for you. He died for all your sins. He will make you his child. He will love you. No one offers that but Christ. No one. But you have to do the same thing you have to Walk by faith and believe that Jesus died and rose again. And you have to believe that he's going to forgive you, make you his child. So, man, how about, we, how about we stand up a little bit? Trust God. Walk by faith. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I love you and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that it never stops calling us back to truth. It never stops calling us back to Jesus when we want to sidestep you, when we want to avoid you, when we don't want to surrender or obey or believe, you keep calling us back. I'm thankful. I do ask you to forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to be a witness for you. Please forgive us as a church for our sins and help us be a witness for you. Please, Lord, continue to speak to each one that's here today about the things you've already started speaking to them about. If they need to trust you as Savior, I pray they will right now. Believe, trust you, receive life. 
For those of us that are just being challenged to trust and obey, give us the grace and the joy to do it. Lord, we love you. May you bless us as we respond to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.